And welcome into Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. I am Brandon. That is Wes. Uh, Michael not with us tonight, but we are talking bourbon and baseball usually. But tonight we're just going to talk baseball playoffs. We're halfway through the playoffs. It went quick. <laughs> and we now turn to the longest two portions of the playoffs, the NLCS, ALCS, and then the World Series. So potentially 21 games between now and the end of the season. That's the max we can get. How do you feel so far about the playoffs other than we're just going to pass over one little note about how you feel? <laughs> yeah, we're going to skip right over that. Um, you know, I, I you mentioned it being quick. When, when you have two sweeps in, in the DS and all of the wild cards were swept and, you know, the only two series that have gone the other way, you know, where you got at least the other team, the losing team winning a game was the Phillies. And I think it was then Minnesota won one. So, yeah. so far it was three Oh Texas and three Oh Arizona and all the wild cards were swept. So there just hasn't been much back and forth. You know, I, I watched something on Barstool the other day and I think I sent it to, to the group where they were like, this is a terrible playoff. It's, yeah, it's a bad playoff. And I, I don't know if it's as bad as, you know, they made it seem mm -hmm. baseball. It's always entertaining. Playoff baseball is so entertaining. And like agreed. Brave series was entertaining. Now I had some antics and some uh, miscellaneous things happen in it. So, you know, we'll, and we'll get into those. But mm -hmm. just as a whole, um, I'm not quite like, hey, this is a terrible product, but it just leaves me feeling like wanting more. If that's a good way to say it, I, I don't know. It, it hasn't been everything that we want it to be. I feel like the playoff itself, the product itself could be better, but it hasn't been mm -hmm. terrible. I, I think we talked about it last week where um, the, the wild, well, the wild card teams getting in and, and winning these series. Like, I think that's good for baseball. I do. I, I think that's really good for baseball because those fan bases are now paying attention Um and that that's that's good for baseball. So, yeah, we can jump into some uh, some of the other answers <laughs> and stuff. But I'm heartbroken. Uh, just one of those gut wrenching. Just ugh, two years yeah. in a row we lose to the Phillies. Ugh. Yeah, I can imagine. But before we jump into the whole baseball thing, let's bring you everything about us. Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. Usually we talk bourbon and baseball. This week's just going to be baseball, as I mentioned. But you can find us right here on YouTube, potentially streaming us live. We also have a secondary YouTube channel, which is Strictly Bourbon. That is at BNB Bourbon. If you haven't followed us there, uh, we're putting out bourbon hunt videos, bourbon reviews, whiskey reviews, and some just funny video shorts. So head on over there. You can hit the subscribe button here if if you haven't done that already, you may be watching this on a replay. Uh, we are streaming this live on Saturday, October the 14th, but uh, we'll continue to push out more content on our baseball channel. That is Barrels and Barrels Pod. That is also where you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok, Barrels and Barrels Pod. And maybe you're just streaming us via podcast. Wherever you find your podcasts, we're talking Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, Google, and Amazon Podcasts, or wherever you stream your pods. Uh, and this is all brought to you by Whiskey Towers. Whiskey Towers at whiskeytowers.com. Use promo code WHISKEYWEATHER. That's all capitals. It's scrolling right there at the bottom of your screen. What a Whiskey Tower is is it is literally a beer tap version of a whiskey. 
Well, you just take your bottle of whiskey, you put it in, you pull the tap, and it pours right into your glass. One of the cooler things out there, and uh, we're getting closer to the holidays, a great gift, and you can get 10% off by going to whiskeytowers.com and using promo code WHISKEYWEATHER in all caps. And before we get any further, I've got a t-shirt on. Uh, are you wearing the same shirt? Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Wes modeling it. Barrels and Barrels shirt. Go head on over to Charlie Mike Never Weekend. It is the softest shirt. I want to give a shout out to Adrian. Uh, Adrian did just grab a shirt. She said it was extremely comfortable and said, wow, you guys weren't lying. I had to grab one just because you said how comfortable it was. And now I don't think I want to take this off. It legitimately is the most comfortable shirt I own. We're going to make that a thing. Yeah, the most comfortable shirt you're going to own. <laughs> so you can head on over again to charliemikeneverweekend.com. It is right there at the top, $25 out the door uh, if you're interested. We also have glassware and hats for sale, uh, and you can check that out in our Linktree bio. So we were just talking about baseball. Let's jump right into it. The NLDS, the ALDS, uh, not as much baseball as we potentially would have hoped to have seen. Um not the best baseball. There were some good games. Uh, we were live for one of them last week. But let's start right with Texas and Baltimore. Kind of a series I don't think anybody expected. Texas going with a 3-0 sweep. Baltimore, of course, winning 100-plus games in the AL, leading the AL, the number one seed, bounced, getting swept out of their stadium. And then in Texas, they didn't really do much. Was it more that the Baltimore Orioles just were flat, or do you think it was just Texas just came and took it? I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I, oh man, I don't, I don't want to dive straight into the flat conversation, but I, I think one thing I do want to do before anything is give credit where credit is due. And let's be honest, Texas came out and just hammered the baseball like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think credit is due to their offense because they scored a lot of runs. So I think Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez coming out and not having great start. Grayson Rodriguez in particular, having not having mm-hmm. a great start um, was kind of the the nail in the coffin. Um, when Bradish came out and, you know, they, they ended up losing that first game, you were hoping that Grayson Rodriguez would come out and, and show what he has done the second half of the season and that you were – he was going to go five, six, you know, strike out seven, eight, nine, and that um, certainly did not happen. Um, mm-hmm. I think he gave up five or six earned runs. You know, when that happened, you're kind of like the only way Baltimore is going to get through this is just to score an absolute, you know, boatload of runs. And, yeah. you know, they scored some runs, but they didn't score enough because, I mean, we've talked about the Texas offense. They're just – there's no brief moment where you can go for outs in that lineup. Right. And it's really tough for any pitcher, you know, lefty or righty, to, to get consistent outs in that lineup. Um, so I got to give credit to, to Jordan Montgomery. He was great. Nathan Evaldi was great. Um, so far, I think their starting pitching um, has looked the best to me. That includes the Phillies. Um, I, I, you know, obviously, I think Wheeler is an ace. But, yeah, I, I got to give credit where credit's due, you know, for Texas. Um, their offense is rolling right now. And I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know what it's going to take to stop it. I don't know if there is anything that's that's going to stop it. Um, and I might be able to say the same thing about the Phillies. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm Baltimore, uh, I don't want to say deer in the headlights. 
but I mean, maybe the the bright lights were brighter than uh, a lot of them were expecting. I said at the beginning of this that maybe they could have had the almost innocent slash like ignorance to it, where they're like, "Hey, we're we're just here, right? Uh, we have we don't know any better, and we're just going to come out and play." Um, like you said, the pitching wasn't great. Texas's offense has been hard to stop. They They've been that way for most of the year until the second half where they kind of started to falter and then their pitching wasn't as great. Uh, they did have the additions of Montgomery and Scherzer for the second half, and that's going to be a big thing going on into the ALDS, and we'll touch on that here a little bit later. But, I mean, their offense, right? Corey Seager is batting 429. You're getting everybody in that lineup, and Evan Carter as a rookie hits 429 in the first two series. It's... Uh, yeah. I Josh think it's Young just has, has eight yeah. hits. The rookie, like he came back from injury and is now what? Uh, other than Castellanos, is second most hits in the playoffs so far. Yeah, like, and yeah, it's <laughs> insane, right? And those are rookies who you would think are, yeah, you know, bright lights. And, uh. and to to kind of echo that, right? And, and we talked about the. Baltimore being young and not having the playoff experience, right? When you look at a guy like Simeon, you look at a guy like Corey Seager, right? Like they have playoff experience and getting Scherzer over there, even though he didn't pitch, you know, that's kind right. of a calming presence in your clubhouse where he's been there. He's done it. Um, Montgomery, so, Baldy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Those are guys that have been there and done it in the playoffs before. So, um, you know, it was just more of a, I just think there was more experience on the Texas side when it came to it. And, you know, they, they had the wild card series to get rolling and they ran right through Baltimore. The, the, the downside to me was, God, seeing playoff baseball in Camden Yards is so awesome. Right. And I wish, I wish we could have seen more baseball in Camden Yards because that is such an awesome venue. Um, you know, outside of you know, Fenway and, and mm-hmm. you know, the Cubs, like that's probably number three for me in baseball. Like mm-hmm. that's such an awesome venue. Yeah, Camden Yards is a, a great place to watch games, and it's even better when there's people there and the atmosphere just jumps 10 times better. And in the playoffs, I mean, yeah. with the birdbath, right, I think that's what they call it, or the splash yeah. zone, or or they spray you with water after home runs. I would have loved to see more playoff baseball there. I would have loved to see just a game five, just what that place would have been like, even if they would have lost, how nuts and how yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, Carter, Seager, how about Mitch Garver getting put in the Mitch third Garver. spot? Hey man, since Jonah Heim went out, um, if you look at his numbers in the second half, Mitch Garver is, I mean, he was what, like one of the top two or three catchers in the league the second half because Mm -hmm. he got opportunities and you see that he's actually a really good player. You know, he's not just some random backup that, you know, is there to, to manage the pitching staff. He can hit um, and he's shown it in the past. And, you know, he, he's coming through for him. He's added – he's made that lineup so deep because he's not just an out that you can go to, uh, you know, you pitch around uh, somebody in their lineup to get to right. him because he's going to make you pay for it. And he did with – I think it was game two we hit a grand slam. Is that yeah. what it was? Uh, game the, two. That Bruce Bochy, man, he just knows where to pull the strings and all that. Yeah, that Texas I'll, team is scary. I'm glad you mentioned Bruce Bochy. Because we can we can get into the whole you know five days off thing, but here's the thing to me: the two guys in the AL managers, you know, between Bruce Bochy and uh, Dusty Baker, like 
they've been there and done it for so long. I don't mm-hmm. think that would have affected either of them. And I honestly think that that's one reason Houston came out and showed what they could, you know, what they were capable of. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't come out flat is because, you know, Dusty Baker has that. He has so much experience, right? Right. In the playoffs, just in baseball in general. Um, that's not to say that someone like Snit doesn't have that experience or Dave Roberts doesn't have that experience, but they certainly don't have the amount of years that, that those two do. Right. And there is absolutely no panic between those two guys. And right. they they just know what buttons to press and when to press them. And, man, that you have so much confidence in those two guys uh, as managers for your teams going into the DS and now the, you know, the championship series. Yeah. And you mentioned dusty. I mean, that Houston Astros team for the seventh consecutive year are now in the ALCS, uh, insane run there. And part of it's with dusty. The other half was with AJ Hinch. Obviously we know the story of the yeah. whole scandal, but, uh, still impressive seven years running. Uh, they came out and they beat Minnesota, who actually, those were some good games. There was one blowout, and that was game three. Um, mm-hmm. But 6-4, I think, and then it was 3-2, 9-2, or 11-2. And then uh, that game four was a nail-biter. 3-2 finish. Urquidy uh, um, with a, a pretty good game. And, uh, I mean, Sonny Gray was probably just the, the biggest issue there for the Twins, I believe, in game three. He kind of faltered yeah. after Pablo shoved, but Houston Astros, man, that lineup, uh, you can tell the, there's some guys in there who have been there, done that. Um, in four games, you had Jordan hit four home runs. Jose Abreu, we mentioned him, right? That was my guy who I said, when Joe asked us, who's the player that yeah. has to step up? I was like, Jose Abreu is going to have to be the guy. And he didn't do amazing the first two games, but games three and four, he showed up with three bombs in back-to-back games. Eight RBI in four games in that ALDS. Insane. Um, for Jordan, Jordan has a slug of 13-13 in four games. Obviously, small sample size, but he has 21 total bases in those four games. That's the kind of lineup where it's like, who are you going to pitch to? Right? Yeah. And you know when you got when you have last year's uh, MVP in Pena, and, and I think he was hitting eighth in their mm-hmm. lineup. Like <laughs> it's so hard to pitch around their lineup, and not just because they're great hitters, but they've been in those situations, right? It's not like they're yeah. it's their first time there. The moment isn't too big for them, right? Where. Mm-hmm when you watch the end of the brave series, right? Like Vaughn Grissom got put in a situation where he hasn't played all year in the big leagues and he's put in a situation to try and save the Braves' season yeah. <laughs> against a really good pitcher. And like, you could tell the moment was just too big for him there. Mm-hmm. You can't say that about anybody in the Houston Astros lineup. You can't say that for, I, I think anybody on the Houston Astros bench, you know, for right. that matter. So the fact that they came out and just handled business, you know, like you said, Jordan has four home runs, and I think in Abreu hit a home run, a two-run home homer that you know kind of put the nail in the coffin for them. Like that was the piece yeah. where you're like, all right, they're gonna win this series. And for me, I know the Braves Philly series had all the hype and everything, but for me, this was the best series. Like this yeah. was the most competitive. It was back and forth. Like you said, there was that one blowout game, but you know what? The Phillies scored six runs in game two or game three, uh, game three. 
to put them up 11 to 2 and you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is non- non-competitive. Right. Pretty much every piece of that series was competitive. Um, in the end, the Astros just scored more runs. I don't I think the I think Minnesota pitched really well to mm-hmm. that lineup about as well as they possibly could. Uh Sonny Gray just didn't get it done. You know, I think we I think we talked about that without that was kind of the guy that on the mound for for Minnesota that had to get it done for them to have a chance mm-hmm. and he was just average. Um he wasn't great. Um he didn't really have the the curveball working for him. Well, it was working. It was just working in the dirt and <laughs> you know, it, it, and at, and the Astros they were laying off of it and the ones that he he did leave over the plate they were hitting. So for me, I mean, that was the most competitive series, and that was the most fun to watch. And, you know, even as a Braves fan watching the, the Braves-Phillies, there was a lot of anxiety for me. But, like, as a baseball product, Minnesota and, and the Astros was by far the most entertaining, best series in the division series. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It was fun to see a Minnesota Twins compete, um, a Minnesota Twins team compete. We had Carlos Correa come out in the, the second game, I believe, and – Helped his team against his former team. Uh, you had Royce Lewis hitting bombs. Julian hit, hitting a home run. Uh, I think he had two the other in that series, at least. Uh, it was fun. And I liked seeing a different team on the stage, right? we've The Twins have not really had playoff success in, what, two decades? Uh, their last playoff yeah. series that they won was in 2002. It was just fun to see a different team. I could see them being a mainstay in that AL Central um, if they continue to play like this over the next couple of years because there's honestly maybe the Tigers. I, I think the Guardians probably take a step back without Francona. Um, and uh, the Tigers are coming, and they've got Hinch with the experience, and they came back this year to come and take second place in that division. It was a crap division. They were like eight games yeah. underneath 500, but uh, or maybe even more than that. But the Twins, they show that with the pitching that they have, You've got Ryan finally has experience. Obear got experience in the playoffs. You had that with Pablo and Sonny. I think Sonny's a f- free agent this year. I think he is. Um, but but I, if you saw his comments, um, I think he had said something like he loves Minnesota. He loves the fans. Like they've embraced him. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if Minnesota entertains it, you know, it seems like he's kind of on the backside of his career. I don't know that he's going to chase the money as much. So that's right. a situation where I could see him kind of sticking around. Um, he, it wasn't like Korea where he was still in the prime of his career. He's going to go chase the big paycheck. And he did. And he right. still ended up with Minnesota. But I think if, if Sonny Gray is there and, and kind of, and even if he's a number three for them, a number four, I think that's a team that you're going to see here for a long time, man, because mm-hmm. They have young talent coming up that is really good. You saw what Julian could do. You know, Alex Kirilov is is a Kirilov is a guy that you know he was injured. He's had some wrist issues, but he can hit. Like he's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everybody's seen what Lewis can do. And man, that guy's that guy might win an MVP <laughs> sometime. Like, yeah, he's that good. As long as he can stay healthy, and you know, you're talking about the Tigers, like, um. I don't know what's gonna what it's gonna take for the Royals, so let's just count them out. Um, White Sox, the White Sox, like I just I don't know what to say about them, man. Like they're the Royals, (laughs) yeah. Like I got more confidence in the Royals at this point. For the White Sox, I'll be honest, man. I think it's gonna take a full break it down 
rebuild for them to get it right. I, I just I don't think with the the bad stigma that they have right now that you can just add pieces to that and make it work. Right. Um. So yeah, that that man that division is up for grabs. I, I think Cleveland, like you mentioned, without Francona. Is going to be a, a struggle. They're going to have a lot of young guys. Their lineup is not good. Um, and to be honest, I think they have the weakest lineup in that division. You know, without Jose Ramirez, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's eight uh, there's eight places in that lineup you can go to get outs. Yeah. So it's only defense yeah. there, honestly. Defense and pitching is what carries that Guardians team, and you can only do that for so long in a 162 game season. Yeah, uh, let's let's jump on to the next series, uh, Arizona and the Dodgers. Boy, Ooh. what did we say at the beginning of all this? The Dodgers pitching was the biggest question mark. Like, who could pitch for them outside of Kershaw? And Kershaw yeah. obviously crapped the bed in start one at one sixty two ERA playoff Kershaw, and then I don't even remember who pitched game two. Was it Bobby Miller? Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Miller. Miller. Yeah, Bobby Miller went game two, and then Lance Lynn game three. Yeah, Lance Lynn gives up four home runs in uh, six batters in game three, and the rest is history. Um, you mentioned it earlier with the uh, the managers out in uh, Houston and Texas. Was it that you don't think Dave Roberts had this team ready, or do you think they just were – do you think they were a fake 100-win team? No, no, I don't think they were a fake – 100 win team um over the course of 162 with that lineup like they're a great lineup and they're a great team right but Mm -hmm. it just does not play the same way in the playoffs when you have to win three games right like that's it in a five game series you win three games and when that happens for that to happen you have to have a guy on the mound give you good innings whether it's a starter, whether it's bullpen, whether it's a closer, like you, that has to happen for you to win a three game, a five game series, right? And and get those three wins. And for the Dodgers, you just didn't know who that was going to come from. In mm-hmm. all honesty, like it might have been their best move to throw to do a bullpen game because their bullpen is legit, and they had some they have some dudes in the back end of their bullpen, and you saw that, but. When when Kershaw goes out, and let's you know, let's talk about it. Like he just has not had a a great playoff career. And when he goes right. out and gives up six runs in a third of an inning, you're like, oh no, I don't know that the Dodgers can. They don't have another person they can turn to to get them through games two or three. Like you're you're there praying that Bobby Miller, who's their young stud can get them through game two. Right. And, and mm-hmm. when that doesn't happen, it's just a struggle. Right. So, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it when we get to the Atlanta, the Philly series, but I, you know, the media is going to hammer them about, and I already have right where they weren't ready to play. They were flat. They came out flat two years in a row. And that is such a tough thing to, to do, like to take, five days off and then come out and perform at the same level that you did for 162. When in reality, it's just about getting those outs, like those 27 outs, man, I I don't know. I I can't sit here and say that they weren't ready to play. I'm sure that they were ready to play, but the momentum that they had for 162 game 
it is not the same as a five game series in the playoffs. So right. I, for me, I don't know. I, I think the biggest question I would have is whatever Dusty Baker did with the Astros, like that's the blueprint print for mm-hmm. the five game, the five day layoff, because whatever they did, they were ready to play. Right. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I, I, that's such a hard question to, to answer. Did they come out flat? Yeah, absolutely. They did. Yeah. They didn't score many runs. I mean, so did the Braves. Right. But they also didn't have the pitching to, to win. And, and maybe that's part of it. And maybe right. that's part of the five day layoff is like the, the breaking balls aren't as sharp. The command isn't as sharp. You know, the velocity might be there, but like if you're walking guys and you're giving up hits, then, you know, it, it's tough for the offense to do what you're expecting them to do in a five game yeah. series. I think that they came out and got punched in the face. Honestly, the first inning, six runs. And from a, yeah. a young Diamondbacks team, I think maybe this Diamondbacks team is what we thought the Orioles were going to be, right? The young team that has that innocence and that ignorance to the game of the, the playoffs, right? 84-win team. We're not supposed to be here. We're playing on house money. We're just going to go out and do our thing. And we come out and we take the best pitcher out there that we could potentially face in the playoffs and shove yeah. it right down his throat. I mean, Moreno with three home runs. Uh, he averaged not great, but dude's slugging. Um, Corbin Carroll, Marte, <laughs> Tommy Fan. Here's another thing. You've got some seasoned veterans, grizzled veterans within Longoria and Tommy Fam, who have been there, done that. They have the experience. Um, but, I mean, one of the more underrated players in the game, Christian Walker, that, that Diamondbacks team, I don't know if they're getting enough credit, right? Like... Not, I'm not just saying from us, but from everybody out there. Everybody. Yeah, an 84-win team. They don't deserve to be here, but think about what the Phillies were last year. They were the sixth seed, and they went all the way to the playoffs uh, and then went to the World Series and came within two wins of the World Series. I like this Diamondbacks team. Um, the, Corbin Carroll, 4-12 in his first career playoffs. Uh, insane. And their pitching has been pretty, pretty good as well uh, for the most yeah. part. I, I mean, they've got Two guys that at the start of their rotation look great. Um, Thought uh, has pitched decently um, through the first two series. Can't I like what they're doing with Thought. Like mm-hmm. he, they're kind of uh, piggybacking him off. Uh, I forget who it was they started the other day, and they piggybacked him in like the the second or third inning. I like that for him specifically. Yeah. Um, just because that you know that means he's got to give you three or four innings and i don't know that he his stuff is really really good but he just has he doesn't have that experience yet to know how to get guys out the second and third time through the lineup right and so i I really like what they've done with with him piggybacking him um Mm -hmm. because that that can be really effective for for a guy like that you know if you get a guy that uh, starts and goes one, two innings and gets through that lineup. And then he's facing seven, eight, nine, his first time through the lineup, man, he can give you three or four innings and, and right. strike out six or seven. So love that. And the way that gallon, you know, gallons gallon, he's been, he's been great. He's Cy what Young an ace should be. Right? right. Yeah. Uh, so th- th- that's going to be a fun series because as they move on, they're going to be able to set their rotation. The Phillies are going to be able to set their rotation. And speaking of the Phillies, let's move on to the series you probably don't want to talk about, but we have to. The Phillies and the Atlanta Braves, uh, probably the one with the biggest 
lights on it, right? Divisional rivals, um, a rematch of last year, the Braves and the Phillies, uh, two teams within the division that have some bad blood. Uh, we were live during game two, so we talked a lot about games one and game two. Let's talk more about three and four. Um, the Arcia thing, obviously, as a Braves fan, how do you feel about that? Do you think that that was just bulletin board material, or do you think more was made of it than should have been? How, as a Braves fan, I, what do you think about it yourself? I knew we were going to talk about this, and I've, I've played this through my head so many times, but here's the reality of it. I don't think any take that I saw on it was wrong. I, I have not seen anything out there on the the attaboy thing mm-hmm. that I've disagreed that I've disagreed with. Um, you know, I saw the players say, "Oh well, the the clubhouse is a sanctuary, and it you know you should be trusted to be able to say what you want." That's true. I agree with that. Um, I think you have to take into consideration that there's media around, right? Like, right. And you know, and and I'll ask you a question on this once I once I get done, but the the media they have a job to do right like they get paid to do this so the Braves players you know pointing the finger at the media I think that's a learning moment for Arcia like if you're gonna say something like that like you say it out at dinner with your boys like you don't right. say anything as in in the and he probably thought it was so simple and like just harmless right but if there is one person on planet earth that's an mlb player that you don't need to give an extra edge to it's freaking bryce harper right okay like and and in the playoffs right you're looking for that little bit of edge anything anything Mm -hmm. right anything that is bulletin board material gives you that edge and that gave the phillies an edge and it was so as, as simple and as harmless as it was intended to be I'm sorry, like it that did have an effect, you know what? And yeah. when and when I saw when I saw Harper and Castellanos show up in Colorado stuff the next day, I was like, oh no, I was like, oh <laughs> no, because I mean, I hate to say it, but like it did become personal at that point in time, whether they wanted it to or not. Um, so, and if I'm the Phillies, if I'm Harper and I'm Castellanos and I'm that clubhouse, yeah, I am gonna take that personal. Is and he probably didn't mean it that way again, but right. So for me, man, I'm, I think the issue I have more about it is like after it happened and like game two or three, and you saw the shot of like Arcia giving it back to the Phillies fans, man, I, I don't know. I, I kind of got an issue with that. Like, bro, we're getting our teeth kicked in and you're like barking at the Philly fans. Yeah. Uh, I totally that, agree. I got to I've got more of a problem with that than I do like what he said. Now, granted, so I, I guess this is the question I have for you. Like you work more in that space than I do. I don't work mm-hmm. in the media, right? Um, I've always kind of been wishy-washy on the media and the way that they portray things, right? Do you feel like the Braves were warranted at saying that, at blaming the media so to speak, at pointing the finger at the media. Here's the thing. As someone in the media and someone who's played sports and knowing how this all works, the locker room's closed for a portion of time 
and then you let the media in to do their scrum and do all of that. You don't get access right when the game's over, right? Like, I don't know. I'm assuming, because I think it was Seth Spittis Barbecue who tweeted out. I think he was in the locker room at that point in time. It wasn't as if he was standing outside the locker room. Now, if it was something that was going on when media wasn't in there, and for some reason he heard something, okay. But also, as an athlete, you know there's more media on you. The moment they walk in, everything can be used because that's our job. If if I hear something, I'm going to report it because that yeah. is my job. Your job is to play baseball. My job is to report on the Cubs, on the Reds, on the Bengals, whoever I'm covering. I do weather, so I'm not necessarily – part of the media in that aspect, but I have the credentials that I could potentially go onto the field and go into the locker room if I wanted to. I've got a Reds credential pass in the case that I did get asked to cover that. Now, that's their job. You don't, like you said, you don't want to give anybody any other idea or any other reason to be more jacked up to play you. Like, Michael Jordan was... like. Everybody knew at the time he was the best, but he would take yeah. even the littlest thing and turn it into that motivation. And like you said, Harper has the same mentality. That's, so yeah. you don't want to give him anything to fire up about, right? Like you don't want to feel anything else. I think Arcia's always been a hothead, even from when he was in the Brewers organization. I saw mm-hmm. him a lot with the Cubs. He was a, a chirper. Um, Do I think he made a mistake? Yes. Uh, Sure, I get the locker room, but that's part of the gig, though, right? Like, you don't have your job as an athlete or as a sports um, athlete of any sort, right? Unless it was for the fans. You'd just be playing a game in an empty field in an empty stadium. So the fans' connection to you as a player is through the media. Mm -hmm. So while the locker room is sacred, it's sacred while you're in there except when you have media time and that media time. So our perfect example, our, our reporter, I don't know if you saw it go around. He was the one who asked Jamar chase about whether he was open or not. And Jamar responded to him and said, I'm always always fucking open. open. I'm always (laughs) fucking open. That was our sports reporter. But is it, is it wrong that we shared that? No, that was his, his thoughts. He's speaking to a reporter, anything in that locker room that said, with a microphone as a as a guy on TV anytime i have a microphone on i have to censor what i'm going to say because that could be anywhere on any time at any place so in my mind maybe he's a little naive about it but you you've got to be a little I, bit more careful just knowing arcia and like you said his his he's a hothead right like you could mm-hmm. see like in he him giving it back to the phillies fans that shot in the dugout like i just think that's the person that he is yeah he probably just said it as like ah that a boy harper you know and look i I can't blame the media man like there was so much and i even saw like i saw tweets uh, i don't even do we call them tweets anymore do we call them x's what do we call them posts i think is what the official name is yeah i saw posts like tagging the 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 reporter that leaked it and i saw uh, another post from a, a female reporter that from MLB was, Network, I think. Yeah, Rizzo? and no, it was it was it was uh, I forget her name. Yeah. She's she well versed in the in yeah. the MLB space, but she had tweeted out 
X'd out to post it out um, that Arcia was aware that cameras were rolling and that recorders were going, right? right? They made it very clear, and as they always do. And as much as I dislike some of the things the media does, again, they have a job, man. That's their job. That's what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So you saying something like that with reporters in the room, I'm sorry, but like there's just a certain level of respect in the game of baseball that you have to keep. And I, I don't know, maybe there's too much made of it. But again, in the playoffs, it's that 1% that you're looking for. Right. And that was the 1%. And you're looking for honestly, that edge. You can, you can make whatever excuse you want about the five days. But to me, like that was that was the bulletin board material that uh, that the Phillies needed, and I'll be honest, that is the the that's fuel to the fire for them. Right. Like, obviously, you saw what their offense did the next two games. I don't. It didn't matter what right. pitcher was on the mound. So, yeah, I, I think I do think it was a little overblown because it, it was a small comment. But again, the playoffs, that small comment blows up and becomes a big thing, and it does matter. So, yeah. As we talk about this series, I want to give love to Nick Castellanos. Man, four home runs in two games. He becomes the first player to ever have multi-homer games and back-to-back games in playoff history, postseason history. So making records there. A lot of people not a huge fan of him because he's doing the ring thing, thinking he's flipping off people. But that's just – I think that that's kind of like a motivational tool, right? Like nothing matters unless we get this and they they got the taste of it last year and i mean you, you that's what you play for right you're you're not playing for this, participation man. yeah that's, that's right. the one you wear it on so like right. come on so uh anybody who's freaking out about that i've had a couple of people say man they're punks they're talking trash they're talking shit i'm like what what was the, what did the Braves do too, right? Like, I mean, they, they're both tripping back and forth. It's a rivalry. I'm not trying to fuel one side or the other. My question for you as a Braves fan, what do you think of Acuna's comments after the game where he couldn't talk to the media because he had to catch the bus? Uh, Is there a leadership issue there? Um, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think so. Um, because I don't, <laughs> you don't sound very convinced on that statement. I think that there are guys in the Braves locker room that, um, are more of the leadership voice specifically. Um, mm-hmm. so I can't say, you know, I can't say that I'm thrilled by it, but I also didn't see much harm in it per se. I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't think it was a huge thing. Um, okay, I, here's my thing: as a member of the media and just a fan of baseball, you're there to get your flowers when you get forty and seventy, right? You steal your seventy third base. You want all the attention. Come look at me. Come look at me. I just did this, but now you just got punched in the fucking face, and now you're too busy because you got to go catch the bus. You don't want to talk about it. I get it. Nobody wants to talk about the bad stuff. Everybody wants to talk about the good stuff. But the bad stuff happens. It doesn't mean he can just walk away from it. And I think as someone in the media and as someone who has played the game and also of just a fan of baseball, like you got to take accountability. What happened? How do you feel? Right? Yeah. Like 
even as a Braves fan, I would want to know like what's going through Acuna's mind. Dude, dude didn't have a great series. He hit 143. He struck yeah. out twice. I mean, the lineup 154 for Arcia. Yeah, I mean, you hit Michael the Harris. Entire lineup was bad. Michael Harris 0 for 13. Ozuna 2 for 13 and a 154 average. Eddie Rosario 143. Travis Darno 143. The only player who showed up. Austin, Austin Riley. Riley. And yeah. I mean, you could say Ozzy did too, but even Ozzy's OPS was 620. Nobody had a higher OPS. Do you know who that second highest OPS on the team was in the playoffs? Probably Sean Murphy. Darno at 821. Sean Murphy was oh. 571. That's just, I mean, you had the best offense in the league. Um, and I know you mentioned the five days off thing. Um, I don't know if you saw uh, what A.J. Pruszynski said. Um, the, 2005, the 2005 White Sox, they had a five-day um, break when they swept the, the World Series against the Astros because they beat the Angels so quick that they had to sit and sit on their hands and wait for the Astros to finish up that series. And he said, it didn't bother us. We came out, we won in four games. So because I don't want to see any players making that excuse because it's happened and you've got to deal with it as an athlete. So that's going to be my response to it. Sure. I do. We, we talked about it last week in depth. We don't need to go more into it, but does something different need to be done? I think maybe a seven game series for the ALDS and the NLDS really like, cause as we say, a 162 game series, maybe a one, 162 game season, the cream rises to the top, a seven game series, a little bit more of a chance. But when you're seeing teams win three Oh, like Texas, Arizona, and the Dodgers, uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I I think that's that line we're talking about, right? Is the the five the break the five day break? Like you see what happened to the Dodgers, you see what happened to the Orioles and getting swept, and they were you know two of the best teams in baseball, you know two and three as far as records go. Um, and then you see what happened to the Braves. Let's be honest: if Austin Riley doesn't hit a front foot home run, the Braves get swept. So, right. um. I do think the layoff matters, but I don't think it matters to the point where it determines the entire series. Right. Right. It should and maybe one game. Yeah, maybe one game. And and I think it's just a um I think it's a preparation thing. For me, it's because it, I think it matters, but I think it matters because those teams that were one, two, three, and I think it was Mark Tompkin for the Rays tweeted out. I know exactly what you're about to say. Posted it out. Like the top five teams in the MLB are now out, and they they won a total two games in the playoffs. I think it was one in 13 is what I saw. uh, Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. One in 13. The top five teams in the MLB are one in 13. So I think it's the fact that the teams that were battling for a playoff position were in this mindset for a month. They were playing for a playoff series. They were playing to get into the playoffs, and they've been playing playoff baseball the entirety of September. Yeah, the Atlanta Braves didn't play a single game of playoff baseball the entire season because they Mm -hmm. took the entire season. They were the best team. Nobody was even close, and they didn't play a challenging game until they played the Phillies in uh, in game one. Right? Yeah. Uh, So I think that has more to do with it than the five day layoff. I'm not Agreed. saying that the five-day lap doesn't have anything to do with it because I do think it matters. I just don't think it matters to determine the entire series. And now what I do think about the layoff for me 
is the guys on the mound, you could see Strider's breaking ball was not sharp. It wasn't crisp. You, I mean, you saw it because he got two massive home runs hit off of him, you know, from, yeah. from the slider. Only one home run was off the fastball, which is Cassiano's just hit a 101 mile per hour pitch, like 500 feet. Strider didn't give up a single extra base hit on a fastball over the middle of the plate yeah. at all this year. And it was a freaking yeah. bomb. Yeah, the one he did was a massive home run to Cassiano. So yeah. for me, I, I think it was the sharpness of the pitches and the command that matters more in that five-day layoff because guys mm-hmm. aren't, aren't on their normal rest. Like a pitcher being on their routine and doing the same things is a little different. So I think that's where it mattered for us. Sure, the offense wasn't the same, right? But right. Uh, and, and I do think the momentum was stopped there. But again, it, it, like that's not what determined the series. So let's be honest. The Phillies came out and just freaking destroyed us. Like they pitched better, they hit better, and they they played better defense. They played better defense. Like they were a better team in that series. You got to give them credit. And my biggest problem is, and I think we talked about this, was the Diamondbacks, the range, maybe the Rangers will get credit, but the Diamondbacks and, and the Phillies will not get the credit that they deserve for being where they are. Right. And, I got a problem with that, man. The Phillies are a really good team, and they deserve to be there, and they beat the shit out of the Braves. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And as we say that, let's pop up our bracket challenge as the Diamondbacks move past the Dodgers uh, and the Phillies have moved past the Braves on the NL side. Uh, the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros moving on into the ALCS. So with our bracket challenge update, here's a look at the standing so far. Ben Felton, you know him as Bourbon in the Borough. Uh, he's leading the charge along with Dan Howard with six. The thing is here is that there's only one person left who has the Phillies winning the World Series on our bracket challenge, and there are two people, I believe, who have the Houston Astros. So uh, as we move on, what do you got there, Wes? <laughs> You're crumpling it up. <laughs> Just t- give it a toss. Give it a toss. Uh, so uh, what did I say? On October 2nd, I said two things. One, I said the Braves weren't going to win the World Series. Two, I said that when Michael picked them, it was the ultimate death knell. And uh, <laughs> there we go. I got, I got a bone go. to pick with Michael. He, he, owes I've me, been telling he, he owes me draft money for fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> so as we move on, we're now into the ALCS and LCS. Um, most of the time, actually, I think sometimes this is the best baseball of the season is the championship series. Same, same with football, right? It's those championship games for the AFC and the NFC. And then sometimes, I mean, the World Series, it's the fall classic. It's incredible. We love to see it. But uh, this is where you see some of the best battles amongst the divisions or in the case of um, last year, like the Padres and the Phillies. That was a great series. Uh, And we've got a divisional matchup right off the bat. We're going Texas versus Houston. Um, It's been one-sided this year. Uh, and pretty much for the last five or six years, obviously Houston has been one of the best teams in baseball for the last decade or so. But they destroyed Texas this year, nine and four, uh, ninety-three runs to seventy-four runs, and this is in thirteen games this year. Thirty home runs in thirteen games. What do you expect from this series? What do you think of this matchup? Do you think it's the Astros or? Uh, do you think Texas has something has something for Houston? 
I think this is going to be the matchup to watch um, of the two. I mean, maybe that's the low hanging fruit there, but yeah. I think this is the, this is the heavyweight battle, right? These are divisional opponents. They know everything about each other, and they both have great offenses. I think Texas is rolling a little better right now on the offensive side than the Astros are. But then again, the Astros have been there seven years in a row and they have the experience mm -hmm. and there will be no panic in that clubhouse, regardless of if they go down 2-0 or 3-1. Like, I don't think there's going to be any panic in the Astros. So um, I think I think I like the Astros pitching a little better. If we're talking about Verlander or or Framber, if it gets to to game three and Scherzer does make an appearance and it's it's Christian Javier and Max Scherzer, I'm going to be real interested in that game. I think that might be the the turning point, the pivotal game. Um, I don't know. I'm real interested in this series because I think it could go either way. I honestly can't say that I like a team more than the other. Mm -hmm. I will say this. I think I picked my bracket based on offense. And so far to me, it's been the offense that's carried whatever team to victory. So I got to pick, I got to, I got to pick the Rangers on this one, man. They have been rolling and they've been really hard to stop, but I just can't count out the Astros, man. They're they're They're, they've been there. They have the experience. They're kind of that team that you're just like, if they win, it doesn't surprise you because I've done it. Right. Yeah. I mean, pitching's going to be uh, interesting. I mean, we're, we've already got the probables for the first two games, at least on the Texas side. I'm throwing Framber in there for game two. That would just be my assumption, my guess, because that's how they've rolled, not only this year, but in playoffs of past. But uh, as of when I made the graphic earlier, he wasn't slated to start. Game one is tomorrow, Sunday, October 15th, 8.15 Eastern time. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, who has been uh, a huge addition, he's going game one. And then Nathan Avaldi, who has been a great pitcher in the playoffs for the Rangers. And he did it in 2018 with the Red Sox, so he's got the chops. It's going to be a great matchup. Uh, we did already talk about how Houston's kind of had Texas's number, but it's almost to the point where, like, in the NFL, right, you look and you're like, it's hard to beat the same team three times, right, in a season. Yeah. I wonder if it's Texas is just playing their best baseball at the at the right time over the last couple of weeks. They're getting hot. You mentioned Scherzer. There's a good chance he comes back for game three. He said he feels great. He's ready to go. We'll find out tomorrow morning as their uh, rosters come out uh, whether or not he'll make it. Also, a name to think about is John Gray his potential to come back in the series. I saw that he most likely won't start, but that's another veteran arm in the bullpen. And if they do the same thing that they did in game three, I believe versus Baltimore, where they went Heaney and then, yeah. and uh piggybacked Dane Dunning behind him. You could do a three man piggyback right there uh, where you get six or seven innings out of three of these guys, two innings at a time, two and a half or two and two thirds, go one time through the lineup where they can just gas their stuff. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all wraps up. I, I agree. It's going to be which offense comes out. And I think it's harder right now to stop the Rangers offense, but we've seen Houston put so many runs up versus Texas this year. It's, it, it's going to be an electric atmosphere either way. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, that's what I'm looking forward to. I think for me, this is going to come down to to the bullpens and how they perform and because runs are going to be scored in this series. If there's mm-hmm. more, if there's more than one one run game in this series, you know, where there it's like a, a low scoring three two game, I'll be surprised. There's going to be runs scored, you yeah. know, and like you're just you're just going to have to accept that fact. I think that the Astros between Brian Abreu and Ryan Presley, dude, they have been electric in the Abreu playoffs. Abreu hasn't so given up a run since July eighteenth, I yeah. believe. He's been phenomenal, man. So yeah. I, I think if that's the case and it comes down to close games, I got to go the Astros. Right. If it's the, if it's the, um, you know, like 10, five, you know, hot, if, if it's a track meet, I think the, I think the Rangers got it. So uh, you going with Texas or Houston? You have to make a pick. I'm going to go with Texas. I'm well, you know, the Rangers, I think Houston. <laughs> yeah. I knew where you're going. So uh, I just think, if Scherzer comes back and can go game three, I think that gives Texas an edge. Framber has been good, but he's been giving up some hard contact. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, man, Jordan Montgomery has been really good. That's a huge addition for them. Nathan navaldi has been almost unhittable. Um, he's been really good. And, and I also think that if Scherzer comes back, he's got so much experience in the playoffs that – His arm's fresh. It's just hard to count that guy out. How do you say there is not a single person on this planet that's going to say, yeah, Scherzer is going to come back and get shelled. Right. That's nobody's going to say that. Right. Right. So I think, I think Scherzer over Christian Javier in game three, assuming they go Javier because that's been the rotation so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that this is not a, a 4031 series. I, I right. want to see some competitive baseball. And I'm hoping this is a series that we get it. Yeah, I agree. Uh I'm going to go with Texas as well for no other reason other than the fact that our very own Michael Burns picked Houston to go to the World Series. So as we've learned, usually that is kind of like the the dunce cap for whatever team. Uh no, just kidding. Um the the baseball side of me baseball fan in me wants to see a new team in there texas is that new team they spent money right you love to see teams who put the money out there have success because it shows you that if you're going to spend the money you've got that chance year in and year out i mean you spent money on seager and Simeon last off season along with john gray this off season you went out and you got jacob Degrom. uh you went out and got uvaldi haney then at the deadline, you went and added. Not only did you add Chapman, you added Scherzer. You added Montgomery. You went all in on this season. And I love to see teams, when they go all in, have that success. So who am I rooting for? Probably Texas for that fact that it's a different team and what they've done. That's where my heart is. My brain says Houston because they've been there. They've done that. And they continue to prove it year in and year out. Last year, I was on the Astros bandwagon just as a fact that I thought that they were finally going to be able to get it done. Um, I don't feel quite as strongly. I do think that there's holes. I think maybe the Twins even showed you how to get Jordan out in that final game of that series. So maybe the Texas Rangers take some pits, bits and pieces. Like you said, Houston didn't look overly dominant versus the Twins. 
I think Texas has they, they've dominated every team they played. They're five and zero so far in the playoffs. They will lose a game. It's how are they going to bounce back? I'm going Houston. That's going to be my official pick, but I do think it's going to be a close one. I'd like to see this go six or seven as well. I'd like honestly, I'd like to see it go seven and I would too get as much baseball as we can. Um, but speaking of as much baseball as we can, the Phillies played the longest series <laughs> so far uh, out of any of the teams remaining, right? Like they've played six games. Arizona swept. Houston only played four because they played in the ALDS only. And then Texas has only played five. So the Phillies have played the most baseball out of any team remaining in the playoffs in six games. And they're hosting. Uh, how about that? Phillies are now hosting the the NLDS and or the NLCS. Let me tell you, home field advantage when you have it like Philly is a force. Man, that matters. That's a big. That's a big piece in in on their side. Because if if anybody watched those games, you know what I love about Philly. There were What's two that? rows, three rows, that sat down. The rest of the entire stadium stood the entire series for the DS. And I'll be honest, there is not another place on earth that I feel like you could get that type of home field advantage because it was loud and they had the towels going. And man, that's that's a difference when you get this deep into the playoffs. Yeah, I, you know, I can't imagine being on the mound trying to make a pitch or at the plate when it's that loud and you feel that environment. Mm-hmm. Dude, that home field advantage for Philly is a determining factor. Like that's huge. You're not going to get that in Arizona. You're not going to mm. get that in Houston or or Texas. In like, Texas, yeah. I, I, man, I loved. That's the piece that I like the most about the Braves Philly series. Seeing that environment, like mm-hmm. even you know, even as a Braves fan watching that series, cool. where that's playoff baseball, man. And honestly, there's like. I guess that's the piece of it to me that I haven't gotten yet. Like it hasn't been competitive yet. And the Philly atmosphere was so far the best piece of it for me. So. Yeah, I I agree. They, they uh, had the best atmosphere we've seen so far, right? Atlanta had a pretty good one. Uh, Baltimore was great. I think it would probably be Baltimore and Philly, but Philly has showed up, um, just the chanting, like you can hear them singing down the block. Like that's how crazy yeah. it is. Uh, so here's the crazy thing. I mentioned they've got the NLCS home field advantage. Texas, Houston, and Philly all tied with the same record this year at 90 and 72. The Phillies would have home field advantage if they were to play in the World Series against either team. So the Phillies have... The, They've got the track right now. They've just got to get the job done. Um, man, it's going to be a good series as well. Uh, I'm excited for this one. You said, I mean, if I had to pick, I'm more of an NL guy. Uh, the Phillies in a seven-game season, a seven-game series this season, did have the best of Arizona, but it's not like they destroyed them. Four and three, 44 runs, eight home runs for both teams. Uh, this is an evenly matched on paper game. Um, I think I'm going with the, the Phillies here just because of the experience thing, right? Like, uh, you've got gallon 
this is his first postseason appearance, right? This is mm-hmm. the furthest he's ever made it into the postseason because this is his first time in the playoffs. Same with Merrill Kelly. They've never pitched in the playoffs before. Uh, and you've got two guys at the top of this rotation for Philly who have proven it for the last two years that they can come out and that they can not just pitch well. They can shove. I mean, Wheeler had a no-hitter What versus uh, the Marlins? Versus Atlanta. Was that in game yeah. two? It was game one. Uh, no, it was, it was game, game two. You're right. you're game two, two you're because they came right back. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, oof. And then you go Ranger Suarez again in game three, who I don't think he's given up a run in the playoffs dating back to last year's NLCS. Mm-hmm. So, pitching-wise, I think once you get past that second, second rung of the ladder for Arizona and even Merrill Kelly in a – in a hostile environment. I wonder how he's going to do. He did well in LA, but he also was spotted to a six run lead in the first inning. And you, you kind of just yeah. take yeah. The, the foot off. You relax like, a little bit. Oh, yeah. You, you're not quite as tight and you can just, okay, I'm going to pitch. I don't have to be as tight. I mean, this Philly team, there's something about it. I said it at the beginning of the postseason that that was the team that I had the most belief in. I think that they're playing angry, but controlled, right? There's, there's, um, there's a difference between just like going out there and playing angry, but you're making mistakes here and there. I mean, Trey Turner's got a 500 batting average in the playoffs right now. Nick Cassiano's home runs. And one of the guys who hasn't even done much yet is one of the best playoff players that we've ever seen. And that's Kyle Schwarber, right? The guy knows how to hit in the playoffs and he has not shown up yet. So when does that show up? I think this could be the series. Yeah, if they get Kyle Schwarber going, man, it, the Phillies are going to be impossible to beat. Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know that this series is going to get the. Uh, I feel like a lot of people out there will say, "Oh, this is a low hanging fruit. This is an easy series for for the for the Phillies." And right. you know, of of the two series, I think this probably is the side I would rather be in, but. I think this is going to be more competitive than people think, man. The Diamondbacks are not just a layover. I mean, right. they they're a grinded out team who I think Tory's a great good, manager too. He's a great manager and they got some athletes over there, man, between Corbin Carroll, Gabriel Moreno's getting hot. He hit a couple home runs. Christian Walker might be the most underrated first baseman in the game. Might be one I of mean, the most underrated players. I think between players, him and Kyle like, Tucker, yeah. they could get one two right there. Um, so, and they're both in the playoffs in, in, in the CSA. Yeah, right. I think this is going to be a better series than people think. Um, if I had to say though, like I just don't know what's going to stop the Phillies right now. I, I right. really don't like. And and as you pointed out, they've done what they've done without some of their guys being there. Schwarber hasn't hit yet. I mean, Real Muto's been okay. He had a home run in Game Two, I think, against the Braves, and he's but he hasn't been great. Bohm um, hasn't if, done much. Bohm hasn't done much. If they get anything from Rojas, it's just a cherry on top, you know? So right. I, they they have some dudes in the back end of their, back end of their bullpen as well. Um, you know, Soto was great. He can lose it at times, but, you know, as long as he comes in and gives you three three outs, then that's all you really need from him. Kimperl's been pretty good. I don't know, man. I mean, I, Strom I think got the save in game Game four, right? He yeah. came out and shoved. So it's like, 
everybody you go to, I mean, between Kirkring, Kimbrel, <laughs> Dominguez, Alvarado. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they got such a deep bullpen. And I Hoffman, think the thing is, their bullpen is, is hot right now. It's performing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a difference in having a lot of good pitchers in the back end of your bullpen and pitching well right now. They're pitching well right now. And I, yeah. I just tough for me to bet against the Phillies. Yeah, same with me. I'm going with the Phillies as well. So Phillies and Houston for me and Phillies and the Rangers for Wes. We'll get Michael's picks and put those out on our social media channels. Either way, I'm just excited. Uh, I've hated that we've had two-day breaks in between each series. The, the wild card, you obviously can't plan for short series right when you're making these plans as MLB. Um, and yeah. you've got to keep everything in mind scheduling wise, but it just sucks to have those gaps. Um, we had what Thursday and Friday of the wild card into the DS. And then now we've had when was that Braves game? Was that Wednesday? It was Wednesday. I think it was yeah. Wednesday night. So we've had Thursday, Friday and Saturday off. Um, I'm just ready for baseball to be back. I just don't like the breaks, man. Yeah. I, I don't like, I want to watch baseball. Agreed. Right? And I, and I want to watch some competitive postseason baseball. I want to see yes. the Philly fans waving their towel, you know, for six days straight. Like, mm-hmm. man. And, and, uh, I, all right. So, game two here on Monday at yep. 4 37 p.m. But that's right. because game one of the, uh, the Phillies and the Diamondbacks is at 8 07 p.m. And that is probably the more marquee matchup when it comes it to, um, pitching. The pitching in game one of the series is probably always going to draw more yeah. eyeballs and think thinking about it would you rather have the philly fans going crazy at, at prime time or would you rather have i mean you no know, no disrespect to the astros or you know the rangers fans but let's be honest ain't nobody giving you what philly's gonna right. give you at, at night so well, also you gotta think that's 607 for arizona time as well yeah. So that's a little bit later. More eyeballs coming from the Arizona TVs at that point in time uh, because they are a West Coast team. And you you know the rest of the way they're going to be uh, at night as well. What time is Monday Night Football? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. My, Normally so my, like 8 o'clock. My thought process there was they put the 437 game time in anticipation of Monday Night Football because they wanted the pre-Monday Night Football and then the later game time, the 807 game time, because they wanted I, look working out the TV schedule is always difficult. But my assumption is Monday Night Football had something to do with the timing. And you know who's playing on Monday Night Football this week? Who it, who is it? The Dallas Cowboys. So that's at 8:15 on Monday night. So there you go. There's, there's your answer right there. West Come on, sniffed, West sniffed it out. West sniffed it out. Uh, uh, unbelievable well you got to know that dallas is going to be paying more attention to the cowboys than they will be houston or the rangers so if you put that game three hours before you've got you've got all the eyeballs on your product uh, at that time speaking of that baseball is back tomorrow night uh maybe you're listening to this on sunday october 15th but game one sunday october 15th at 8 15 the alcs i believe those games will be on fox and i think tbs will be streaming uh the nlcs as we go on towards the end of the playoffs i'm excited 
Uh, we'll be doing more of these recaps here probably within the next couple of days or do some Instagram live stuff. So don't forget to head on over. If you do like this, subscribe to us on YouTube. We're uh, almost to a thousand subscribers. When we do get there, we'll be doing a giveaway. Uh, you can find us at BNB Bourbon for more uh, bourbon content on YouTube. That page continues to grow. Uh, we're at 133 subscribers a couple of weeks ago. That was at 13. So that's quadrupled, quintupled, sextupled, whatever you want to call it over the last couple of weeks. So if you're a big bourbon fan, go check that out. Uh, I am Brandon. That is Wes. You can see our Instagram handles right there at the bottom of the screen. I am whiskey underscore weather. He is BNB underscore Wes. You can find us on Instagram as a podcast at Barrels and Barrels Pod, Facebook and TikTok at Barrels and Barrels Pod, Twitter at Barrels and Barrels. I guess you want to call that X now. And then if you want to send us an email to cuss us out or something, Barrels and Barrels at gmail.com. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, iHeartRadio Podcast is where you can stream us if you're just a podcaster. Uh, but we would love to hear any of your thoughts, your reviews of our shows. Uh, what we could do better, what you really like. We've had some good feedback in the past. 20 out of 25 star reviews on Apple, 14 out of 14 five star reviews on Spotify. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple or Spotify. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Maybe hit that like button a couple of times. Get us popping up those charts on uh, all those Spotify and Apple platforms. And lastly, this was brought to you by Whiskey Towers. Use code WhiskeyWeather at WhiskeyTowers.com for 10% off your order. As I mentioned, pretty cool stuff. And as we're getting closer to the holiday season, that'll be something that you may want to check out uh, for dad, grandpa, maybe your cousin or your brother, whatever it is. If they're a whiskey lover, I bet you they're going to love these Whiskey Towers. I am Brandon. That is Wes. Thank you for listening for the last hour and eight minutes. Playoff baseball. We're halfway through. I'm excited. I think this is going to be the best baseball yet. I'm right there with you. I agree. Yeah. So for Wes, I am Brandon. Thank you for watching. We'll be back with more Barrels and Barrels of Berman Baseball podcasts throughout the rest of the year. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button.